Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Welcome to the show, what the fuckers. Nice to talk to you. Glad to be here. Thank you for downloading my podcast. On today's show, my friend Todd Berry, who I'm always happy to see, who truly, truly makes me laugh almost more than anyone. Uh, you know him from The Wrestler, from Flight of the Concords, from his many Letterman appearances. We will also be indulging my friend Matthew for a few minutes and perhaps maybe talking to Greg Fitzsimmons about some big idea he has about some simul podcast. I, I don't know. Let's see if we can get him on the phone later. All right, folks, I'm starting to get some emails from you guys about what the fuck moments that you're having, about uh, the show in general, and just about stuff. I think I want to start reading them, if that's okay with you. Here's one from Paul. Mark, I am by no means perfect. Your intro says you are in the Highland Park, California. And the the is in there. You are in the Highland Park, California. But you mention on almost every episode that you are in Astoria, New York City. What the fuck? Can you please clarify Thanks. I think if you listen to the intro carefully, it says, or wherever I can use the equipment for free. And at this moment, that happens to be in New York City, not in Astoria. I understand the confusion, but again, I'm pretty clear in the intro. Eventually, I will be in Highland Park, California, and I hope that resolves something for you. Hey, Mark, this is from Bert. Your first couple of shows kind of sucked. But ever since you got that coffee sponsor, your shows have dramatically improved. Keep up the w- good work. Can't wait until you get your second sponsor. Oh, hey, Mark. This is from David. Love your podcast and your comedy. My WTF experience. Today, I was walking across campus when I saw a homeless man carrying a sign that said, quote, people wear art and put ugly shit on their walls, unquote. What the fuck? Question mark. Does he still want money or not? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. You might have to ask him. I, I got to be honest with you. My boundaries are fairly uh, porous. And I've had experiences with this email situation. I do read your emails. I do read comments. I try to detach from them. That has been sort of the journey of my life to not be affected by the speedball effect of going through several good comments than to, to come uh, upon one of the uh, Corolla Tard comments that says, you know, you should listen to Adam, this guy sucks, or whatever. Or even like, you suck, your politics sucks, whatever. Whatever it is, I just take it all in stride now. But that wasn't always the case. Really. I mean, up until about three weeks ago. The first case was on Morning's Edition. Here's a, uh, one of the uh, the great situations. I get an email that says, why don't you let the grown-ups talk? You stink, you shouldn't be on radio, uh, you're immature, and I can't listen to you. When I got that email, it, it hurt me. So I emailed him back. What are you talking about? I think we're having a good show here. I think that's well balanced. I think that you know I'm funny and and my partner is uh, is informative and it's a good show. And the guy writes back, "No, you just shouldn't be in the conversation. You're immature. You're annoying. Uh, I don't think you're funny, and I don't like listening to you." So I again write back, "Dude, I don't understand. What are you talking about specifically?" And the guy goes, I just don't, I just don't like listening to you. I go, why? And then he writes back, please stop emailing me. How did I become the stalker guy? How did I become the problem in that? I don't know. Then about a month ago, I get an email about someone who was listening to my stuff on Sirius. I heard your stuff on Sirius. You're, I've liked comedy for 20 years. You're the worst comedian I've ever heard. You, you should definitely not do it as a living. So I, of course, said, who the fuck are you? Maybe you haven't seen my 40 Conans or my four Lettermans or perhaps listened to one of my three CDs. And then he writes back, yeah, well, I don't understand that. And it's just, I don't know what the deal is, but you stink as a comedian. So I wrote back, you know, this criticism isn't really constructive. Perhaps if you were to tell me what joke you were talking about, it would be helpful to me. And the guy's like, he writes back, look, I just don't like your comedy or maybe you should tell serious or not playing the right ones. And I basically said, well, what do you fucking do for a living? I've been making a living at this and it goes on and on like this until finally he, uh, he says, well, I work with old people and I spend my day, you know, at a hospice. So then I felt like an asshole. The, the thing is, is that emails, I don't know. I've gotten myself into some trouble with emails. 
I, and I've gotten myself into some good things with emails, but I've also gotten myself into trouble. Shortly after I divorced my wife, I got an email on my website saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. I really relate to what you have to say when I listen to you on the radio. I'm having a, a, a sort of a emotional problems, and I, I think that you know we should talk about them. I live near you. Uh, I don't know how she knew that she lived near me. Maybe we should meet and have coffee. So I was a brokenhearted idiot. My wife had left me like two months before, and I was out of my mind. So I said, okay, let's talk. So I go meet this woman, and we have a nice chat. And she's having problems in her relationship, and I try to tell her to, to deal with them because mine just fell apart, and I wish her the best of luck. It was very vulnerable. It was very fragile. It was, it was kind of weird. I, I kind of wanted to do something with her, but I couldn't really because I, you know, I was just separated, and I knew it was inappropriate, yada-da-da-da. So I say, good luck with everything. And then three months later, maybe, maybe just after I filed for divorce, she writes me again, you know, I, I, I left my husband. Maybe we could uh, hang out or, or whatever, have coffee again. And so I go, okay, why don't you come over and have coffee? And we end up having sex. And it's a little weird, but it was uh, a good thing. And I thought, well, you know, we're both, you know, I filed for divorce. She's separated. Everything's cool. And this goes on for a bit, uh, on and off for a few weeks, and it seems okay. And then, like, she starts acting peculiar. She starts uh, sending me emails that are fragments of conversations that I wasn't having with her. Then she start, She showed up at my house one night. Uh, she was sort of drunk and said, I thought you wanted me to come over. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So then it got kind of gnarly. So I said, look, we can't see each other because I don't know what you're going through. And it's, it's you know, I'm, I just got out of a marriage and I don't need this kind of thing. It's, it's freaking me out. Don't contact me anymore. So then a few months go by and then she writes me again. And she says, you know, can we see each other? And I'm like, uh, okay. And, and this is after I've tried to you know, st not respond to her emails. And she comes over and we end up doing what we always do. And then, you know, after we have sex, she's like, I got to be honest with you. I lied to you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she says, I was never separated. And I'm like, what? What? What does that even mean? She's like, well, I, I'm just, I still live with him. And, and I, and I'm like, what the, what the fuck did you just get me into? What the, I mean, I don't know this guy. I don't know what he's capable of. I wouldn't have done that with another guy's wife. I have no idea what, whether or not he's going to shoot me. I, and then she says, what happened was you know, he had been looking at my emails to spyware and he constructed an email that looked like my name and was emailing her with it, telling her to do stuff as if it were me. And that's why the erratic behavior. But I was so paranoid that I was going to get shot or that I that this situation had gotten out of my hands. And I was just like, you've got to make this right. You, I, you've got to make it right. I wouldn't have let this happen had I known the situation. And now I'm in some sort of jeopardy and I put a guy in a bad position that I wouldn't have never done that. And she goes, okay, okay, I'll make it right. And she goes, and I said, I don't want to see you anymore. You got to deal with this. And she leaves, right? And she calls me from the car and says, I'm, I'm going to talk to him. I'm like, great. So then like a half hour later, I get a call on my phone from her number. And it's a dude. And he's like, who's this? And I go, it's Mark. And I go, is this, is this, what's your name? Is, and I knew, I knew his name, of course. I said, look, I need to talk to you. I had no idea about what the hell was going on. I wouldn't have done that to you. I apologize. I just, it was unclear to me. I thought you guys were separated. I would never have done that. He goes, well, thank you. At least someone's telling the truth. And he says, where are you at now? And I said, we're nowhere. I got nothing invested in this. And uh, again, I apologize. I hung up the phone. That was gnarly. So then not too long ago, I go home and she starts to email me. And I'm like, no, you can't. I'm, there's no, no. And she starts to email me and I'm like, I, I, I don't want to talk to you. And she's like, well, where are you performing? So I said, well, I, I told her the places I was going to be performing when I was back. And she shows up at one of them and I go out to dinner and she goes out to dinner. I said, is everything all right with you now? You guys, you know, you're working shit out and everything's cool. And it was very, you know, matter of fact. And, you know, I just wanted to be a decent person about it. And, you know, we split, right? We go our separate ways. And then a couple of days later, I'm uh, driving to a gig. I'm driving to a fucking gig. And a guy comes up to me in a white truck. 
I'm driving down the street and the truck comes up next to me. He rolls down his window. I rolled down mine. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I'm not making any connections. And the dude says, uh, you're that comedian, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm him. He goes, yeah, you work over at the comedy store. Yeah, I do. He goes, uh, yeah, I know who you are. And I'm like, wow, we're, we're driving. Uh, where's this going right now? And he takes this long pause and I'm like, we're, we're, we're moving like 40 miles an hour. He goes, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? And I go, who are you? He goes, don't worry about that. You think you're pretty smart? And I go, yeah, I do think I'm pretty smart. And then he just zooms off and I go do my show. And I actually talk about that on stage, about that event. And then I get home and I realize it's that woman's man. And I don't know where he came from. I don't know whether he followed me or he just saw me, but I'm bugging out again. Because what happened was he must have looked at her email or something and saw that she had contacted me again and she had come to see that show and nothing happened. And I wrote to her, I said, your man just uh, basically you know, harassed me in a truck and this is like creeping me out and you got to fucking do something about this. This is bullshit. So you know what she does? She writes this big long email about you know how she felt about me and how she felt about him and how she fucked everything up and how she felt bad about it and she wishes you know that you know the best for both of us and she sends it to both of us she she sent us both the same email it's sent to me and it's sent to him and she wishes that him and I could be friends and i i was just flabbergasted i'm like i can't believe this like we are forced into this situation where he's reading the same email i am and it's like happening all over again. I didn't know what to do. And I took a couple of days. And I was like, do I respond to it? And I just hit reply all. To her, I said, I, don't ever email me. Don't ever contact me. I don't want to talk to you. I, I, it just, just don't contact me anymore. And I said uh, to him, I said, look, again, I'm sorry. There's a lot of things I knew. There's, uh, there's a lot of things I didn't know. There's still things I don't know. I would have never put you in the position. I didn't want to be in this position. I apologize. And then I said, I want nothing more than to be out of both of your lives forever. And then I said, nice truck. And that was the end of it. So emails can get you into trouble. But I got to be honest with you. In my experience of sending emails that I shouldn't send, that second that I hit send is so fucking exciting. But then it's always followed like, what I do? What did I do? Why did I do that? Let's see what happens. What's up? Hey! So I can say whatever I want, right? Profanities? Shit, yeah, man. Let it rip. Not that I will. Oh, my God. This is a pleasure because I I have to be honest with my listeners about this next gentleman. There was a time here in New York City where me and Todd Berry used to wander the streets of the Lower East Side going, how come we can't get on stage, man? When are we going to get on stage? How come we can't get? Why won't Lewis put us on and catch a rising star? When is it getting? Why can't we? This sucks. Remember? I I still do that. (laughs) Even though I'm getting on stage. I I just forget the shows. I forgot that I was on stage. Do you remember how shitty it was? Uh, It is. I remember, uh, yeah, hanging out. See, I I couldn't even do that at the Catch Rising Star. Yeah, I used to get this spot all the time. Did you ever get the the standby weekend spot? They used to have this thing. It paid like half what the normal spot paid. And you were kind of, you were there in case the act they really wanted on was running late. <laughs> so you'd sit there and you're like, this guy's going on at 10 o'clock and it's like two minutes to 10 and you're like, your heart's racing. Oh, I know. You're like, I'm in. And I'm going. You, and then a cab would pull up. Oh. And then you're like, oh, well. You're like in the gate. Right. But I, occasionally I would get on and then suddenly you'd be on at Saturday night at the hottest club in New York. But well, that, well that's what people, I don't know if they understand, well, they probably wouldn't. Uh, but at that time, Catch Rising Star was the club and the yeah. guy that had the reins of the club was basically... Uh, the bartender who had been <laughs> elevated to this role where he'd be like, hey, Lewis, Lewis Ferranda, hey, how you doing, Mark? I'll put you on, get you on tonight, I'll get you on. And he would make you wait for hours. You would sit there. The worst part about that was is when he'd say he'd put you on and you'd get there like eight or nine and there'd be a full audience and then you'd watch 15 guys go on and the audience slowly trickle down to about seven and they'd be like, you ready, you're next. 
And the amount of spite and her- I, I'll tell you, <laughs> when he lost his gig at Caroline's, when he was unemployed in the comedy business and he had to take a job as a bartender, one of my few regrets in life is not going there and ordering a drink and laughing. Wow. He works there now, so you might want to- Scratch that? You might want to back off. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I love Caroline's. And you know, Lewis has changed a lot over the years. Where have you been lately? Uh, I was just in Vancouver. There's a comedy festival there. I've done that a couple of times. Beautiful city. Yeah, it's a great city. What was your impression of it? I liked it. There were some uh, some good shows. And did you like shows? Did you, huh? Some shows in a the theater that were nice. And... You did the gala in the big old theater. Yeah, There's they have four... like they have ten different galas now. They have like uh, ba- they have the edge of the fest. They have the best of the fest. They have you know, <laughs> when, you know. What's the I did the, the edge is you know it, it's exactly what you think of it. It's the I... edgiest edgiest <laughs> motherfuckers out there. <laughs> Doing super edgy, edgy stuff. The edge of the for fest. the edge. Um, that's the name of a show, but it was actually quite good. The edge, the edge of the yeah, fest. Yeah, I know. They all, they always have to have a name. Oh, once God. they've come up with best of the fest, they have to have another name. And right? Didn't you, I guess they could do more best of the fest. Didn't it, doesn't weird when you're in Canada? Doesn't it seem like America only without the fear? Um, like, like I thought when I was in Vancouver, the only thing I could say about it was it looked like the city was built all at once out of a kit. Yeah, it, it does. I did notice that. You look at the skyline, you go, these, every building here was built within the it past feels, year and a half. I it think. feels like what someone, like a filmmaker in the seventies thought the future would look like. Right. It's kind of nice because you look at those buildings separately and you go, man, if one of those open was, was built in the city, you'd be like, people would be Laughing. protesting yeah. and angry. But when there's like 30 of them next to each other, it looks kind of cool. It does. It does. Yeah. I, I, I I always expected people to be walking around in matching jumpsuits with wraparound sunglasses, like but, a like yeah. a science fiction but movie. But there's some pretty seedy areas of uh, Vancouver. That's only a couple blocks. How seedy is it? That's pretty. It's just. It's pretty seedy. What were you doing there? What were you? I was, I was buying heroin. <laughs> <laughs> for a friend. For a friend. Yeah, because you were on the Ed show. Yeah, no I was on to the Ed. I had to start using heroin for that. So who else was up there? Did you have fun? Did you see any good shows? Uh, who else was up there? Uh, David Cross was up there. Paul F. Tompkins. Mm. Uh, I was supposed to go, but I couldn't go because I was at the Lakeshore. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Tig Notaro. Who else? Um, Maria Bamford. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, it was good. Natasha Leggero. Who else? Oh, bunch uh, of people. That sounds good. Um, any weird things happen? Any gossip? Any freaky things? Uh, did anyone fall down? I'm trying to think if anyone fell down. Now I had there was some. There was a couple of uh. Vancouver audiences are weird because there'll be like 800 of the best people in the audience and one just complete oblivious. Oh, drunk moron. Yeah, where you're like, don't you notice no one else is acting like that? Yeah, there's a certain (laughs) type of Canadian drunk. And then you get like 10 emails apologizing. From that guy? Don't judge Vancouver based on... (laughs) That guy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, which is very nice because... I was about to judge them all based on that guy. Haven't you been traveling internationally too? Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of the last place I went that was... Uh, Did you go to Australia? I was, Well, that was a few years ago. How was that? That's great. You should do that festival if you can. I did Sydney for two weeks, oh, but did? I didn't do the Melbourne festival. Oh, uh, you should do Melbourne. Yeah? Yeah. It's a month, month long. You liked it? Yeah. It get, I mean, it's just crazy that a comedy festival is a month. Well, you did Edinburgh, and you... Did, I mean, you know, I did that, and you, and that was a, a That was miserable. a month that seemed like seven months. <laughs> But at least it rained every single day, and my show was at midnight. <laughs> that made it better. Well, it's my show that was probably going to get canceled was at midnight. And then there's those awkward nights where you're like, "Do we really have to do this?" Oh, it was that was, and they put you know, I mean, and I Edinburgh's weird because you find out if you're brought over there, which I was brought over Me there. Me too, yeah. And you're put up and like you share a flat. Yeah. Which I shared one with Wendy Spiro. Do you know Wendy Spiro? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and it's like a futon and. And they're like, oh, you're like, oh, you're being treated well. You're yeah, not, that's what people say. I lost twenty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I had to buy my own house here. Yeah, I mean, well, there wasn't any flats available. I had to buy a building. Right. I mean, guys go there and comedians go there, and they're like, they basically are competing with fifteen hundred acts. And on hoping, any given day, uh, how can you possibly make money? I went. They put they put Kirk and I up pretty nice, uh-huh. and they, it was all taken care of. But like the audiences, it was just relentless. Yeah, yeah. That's the only place. I mean, I I actually walked off stage on a show. I've never done that. Really? Yeah, I walked out there. I was, I mean, it, it was, I mean, I really regret doing it, but I walked on stage and there was just this couple looking up at me. Just two people. Two people yeah. in a 150 seat theater. And they were, they were in, and they were in the front row, <laughs> yeah. which makes it, for some reason, even harder. Like if they were 10 back, you could at least face out. Hang on on the hope that maybe and someone I, else will come. And I just started and I was like, God. I can't do this. <laughs> and I feel bad because I kind of, uh, 
pride myself on being uh, yeah. professional plowing LeBron. through yeah and i'm usually i mean being a warrior of some yeah, sort sure. I mean, as we are. As it sounds, but i was just i can't do this but i i, I don't know part of me doesn't Todd part of me thinks that i did the right thing because i was like there's no way comedy warrior they i like just, that. they looked up at me and they were just like they were just hi we're here but it wasn't like the two people that you could play with it was just like this is not going to work. But I mean, even if you're playing with two people, I mean, what it's is, not a show. Yeah, yeah it's not it's a just, show. Uh, it's sort of weird and sad. Yeah, I think there's those moments where where we've had them, and certainly when we were starting out, when you were performing for four people, where it it just takes everything you you have in you just to make it not a pathetic right. situation. But at the same time, I always like. I mean, there's times where I've done that, and I just sort of think it's cool. Like right, where I just we walk off. Yeah, I just did a show for four people. Right. Why wouldn't I? Right. What theater are you playing in? Yeah, no. and go, yeah. But for some reason, this one that one show was. was how long? Fun. How long have you been in Edinburgh at that point? Was it towards the end? It was towards the end. It was yeah, just you yeah. know, there's there's critics that show up, and, yeah. and the thing is, if there were a critic that night, I mean, I would have, I would have been destroyed more than I was kind of destroyed. The, the, yeah, they would have taken you on it because you're American to boot. The American, yeah, you're American that wouldn't do his whole show for two people. Yeah, there is sort of a tone there, like. You haven't been in show business until you've done Edinburgh, as if, or you haven't paid dues. Meanwhile, you, I, if you've been doing it, I know, if you've been doing it a number of years in the States, you've probably paid at least as many dues as of 90% course. of the acts. Of it's course, like, and then they all go up there with these, uh, you know, they, they title their comedy into one-man shows, and they're not really one-man shows. Yeah. And then they say this to you, this was always the thing that got me, it's like, oh, he's probably had a bad month. You really have to go back like five or six years in a row yeah, I mean, yeah, to yeah. get a following. I'm like, that, I'm not going ever, I'm not ever going back there, yeah. not even just to look at the city. Yeah. Well, I had a great, I don't know if you ever heard my little uh, postcard poster story, did you ever? No, no. Well, I showed up and... <laughs> Are we talking too much about Edinburgh? No. Are you can edit this down a little bit? No. Todd, okay. Todd Berry people love it. All right. But I showed up and uh, they gave me these postcards they made for my show. Yeah. And I looked down and someone kind of in this, oh, are those the right? Those aren't the right time. So, so they printed like 10,000 postcards with the wrong time of my show. So their fix for that, and they have these people passing them out. Yeah, yeah. Their fix was that was to rip the bottom of the postcard off yeah. and have the guy passing out the postcards tell the people <laughs> what time the show was at. So you get this postcard that's been ripped. So it gets worse. So I was like, you know what? I don't know, because you have a kid passing him out to people who are walking around the festival. And by the end of the day, they have 60 postcards from you know 60 people that have come up to them. I don't know that they're going to go, hey, here's this guy we never heard of. When was his show again? I remember. It was, uh, what do you mean you don't remember? So then they then their next fix was to put stickers over... The, the messed up postcards and uh i said that's fine it looks that's fine i look down uh the stickers have the wrong <laughs> have the wrong date and time on them so it's like your own fix that you made was wrong then they reprinted the postcards again and they were wrong again and by then i'm just like i'm not good at like screaming but i was like yes this is what are you doing and and then the woman just, you know, she, one of the women, she's like, you know, Tal, we printed a thousand, we printed a thousand posters for you, and we only printed five hundred for everyone else. Well, first of all, you're lying. I know you. That's a lie. There's no reason that you picked me yeah. and said let's print twice as many. And if there's a thousand posters, I've seen twenty of them up coincidentally within six feet of the venue. So, but ultimately, I mean, I don't even know if they not fuck that up if anything would have been because oh, you're still no one knows who you are yeah, just and you're no, still on at 10 of midnight and i was also going up against in this venue they had something called the best of the fest yeah so people would show up like what should we see at midnight well we have todd barry or this you know show of superheroes from the uk for like two pounds more that's so how it was but i mean i did have some good shows there but it was God, just uh, it was a long just, month and just because I know you, just the, the idea of what you must have been going through during the process. It's just like, hey, uh, I, I just can't even imagine what you yeah, were going through. I mean, my, it was just... And did you have any friends up there? I had friends up there, but oh. the thing is then you, I was so miserable that oh, you, you were God. like, God, all I can do is be miserable. And maybe some of them were having a better time because they were on three hours earlier than me. And Oh, yeah. And you kind of don't want to... they're like, you want to meet up later? People like, only want to hear so much complaining. Yeah. Especially if it's going well for them. Well, so you had to make the rounds. Yeah. So you <laughs> find the, the people that but, you could. Right. One night. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that's over because certainly things have but changed. The since weird then. thing is, I, I actually would like to go back. Now. Well, yeah, now you have some cachet. Yeah, you've got whatever. an international but, reputation. Yeah, but it'd still be stressful. But didn't you do England too? I did England. Yeah. Last time I did England, it went 
quite, it went pretty well. I did yeah. a, a little theater there. I've been to Ireland for Kilkenny. You've done mm -hmm. that too, right? Yeah, I was. Oh, actually, that was the last place I went was Dublin for a comedy festival there. How was that? Great. That's really good. Yeah, they uh, they just get this park, which apparently is not the nicest park in the world normally, and they set up like five or six tents as venues. Yeah, but real sort of not just like pup tents, but like <laughs> they're like between two hundred and six hundred seat venues. So it's all in one premises, and you just kind of uh, it's fun though. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Ireland's beautiful. It's challenging. I mean, it's not. Hands not a on. cakewalk. I don't like people. I, it's, it still takes me some time to adjust to people standing and listening to comedy. Oh, no. These are all seated venues. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked Ireland. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful place. But in terms of like uh, international and the Concord thing helped you out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. And the wrestler? The wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I just think things like that are just things people can. Well, you're like a, a guy that has, um, we've been doing it probably the same amount of time. We're about the same age, and uh, you seem to have uh, you know fallen into a pretty good crew in terms of the people that you travel with and and the people yeah, that you yeah. hang out with. Yeah, I think. I mean, and that's good. I think it's nice to have friends. Well, I don't have a, I don't have friends, but I have a crew. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a crew. I have no friends. But it seems that when you get lumped in, like there's a whole new wave of of. I was talking about this with Jim Gaffigan as well, of uh, of these comedy fans uh -huh. that have no idea about and i guess maybe a lot of people don't of like the people we started with or the generation before us it's just like complete like there's a drop off there's there's mr show and then everything before that is just a maybe richard Pryor and uh, some guy named george carlin died. right i mean i've gone to some of these shows and you'll see a guy who's just too young to know better a comedian do a show and you're like yeah I, that that was a good joke when i heard that on the merv griffin show <laughs> yeah and i'm not even exaggerating no I mean, right and i don't know where that comes from i've had that too and i and there's sometimes where i'll hear jokes and i'll actually know whose joke it was mm -hmm. and i don't even know if it, after a certain point that they're stealing or they're just they don't realize it. i think they're just some things that people uh they think of they you know they hear some dumb expression or some something that's dumb and obvious yeah, yeah, and yeah. they just don't realize. Yeah, someone picked up on that. But do you find that? I mean, to keep, we can talk about comedy more because we're comedians. That like a lot of times, I'll sit in comedy rooms as we have sat in comedy rooms our entire life, and sometimes I can't. If I close my eyes, I couldn't tell the difference between who's on stage. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't sit down. There's very few guys I'll actually watch. Watch, I guess is the word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you go on the road with Louis a lot still? I haven't in. Uh, Maybe a few months, but I went to the premiere with him. Oh yeah, yeah. How's that movie? Out. Movie's pretty good. Yeah. Did you go to a premiere when you did the wrestler? Yeah, I went to um, I went to Venice Film Festival and I went to Toronto. Do they fly out for that stuff? No, I kind of just said, hey, if I bankroll this, oh really? Can I hang out? And they said, yeah, we'd love to have you. We can't fly you or whatever. But what? I mean, it's an independent. Right. Let's talk about that movie though, because I don't think a lot of people know the story about that. I mean, how did you get that part? In The Wrestler? Yeah. I, um, well, I know Darren Aronofsky a little bit. I don't actually know how I met him. And his Probably wife, through his, other people. His wife's Rachel Weiss, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you say it. It's, I thought it was Weiss, but maybe Rachel it's Weiss. Rachel Weiss? Or, Weiss? It might be Weiss. But she's Jewish, right? Is she? I would think so. <laughs> have you that sat, was awful the way I said that. Have you sat down the and- The subtext and, of that was, she's be fucking beautiful, what? Yes. Yeah. No, I-, I <laughs> How is it possible that she could be Jewish? That was, that was so if she's that pretty. She yeah, she's gorgeous. Um, is she a nice person? Is she irritating? I only met her briefly. She was very nice, yeah. 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 Now how'd you get that uh, what happens? Well, I'll tell you the whole sort of funny story. I uh I've known Darren a while and just sort of like run into him or occasionally. But I've known him well or just sort of like, "Hey Darren." Yeah, occasionally. I don't know where I met him. He know him through other He used to come to comedy shows and somehow right. I met him. Somehow I I think I found something on the internet where he mentioned me and I don't know. Somehow I got in contact with him. Right. We were so just kind of like acquaintances, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And, Same uh, circle. Yeah. And just whenever I ran out, we never hung out or anything. Right. But, but I saw him at uh, a restaurant right near my house that I go to alone all the time. And he walked by me and uh, he, goes, he was having a meeting and he walked by me and he goes, he goes, I might have something for you. <laughs> That's it? And I go... And I was like, what? Uh, what a part movie? I was kind of a little anxious. Yeah. And then he sort of made this like motion of sweeping up. Yeah. Like he's making a joke. Right. You know, like, sweep yeah, up yeah. on the set. Right. And then he left. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> and then I was like, uh, 
You you were left to fester. I was left like I was like, wow, that'd be sort of a gigantically assholeish joke to play on me. Like, yeah, hey, I'm a real film director, and I'm going to pretend I got something for you, and then make fun and of then you. not give you. And oh no, I, I don't really have any fun. So then I I decided to wait a few weeks, and I waited. And um, then I was like, hey man, and I emailed him. I go, did you? Uh, how how were those few weeks for you? <laughs> You know, at some point I just said, fuck it. I mean, if he, either way, he's going to say it was fucked. Three me. weeks, though. You did yeah. the three weeks it is a reasonable three, amount of time. I don't remember I, exactly how long it was, but it could have been three could days. Could have been 10 days. Okay. But, uh, and I said, hey, are you, were you serious about a, you mentioned something about a movie. And, and then he, I think in the next email, he goes, yeah, look at this part. Do you want to do it? That was it. And the script was attached. Right. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And then there was um, some back and forth, like, for some reason, he didn't wasn't sure whether I said yes. And I said yes, I'll do it. And then I heard through my agent when I had an agent at the time, and they're like, "Actually, you now you have to audition for the money people, right? The suits." Yeah. So I went in there and I auditioned, and I read it like once, and then another time, like another half time. And he goes, "That's it. See you on the set." Darren said, that. "Yeah, like right at the audition." Oh, so, which that is know, thrilling. I know it. Probably doesn't usually happen that way. So I don't know how, like, the producer, like, I don't know, kicked him, said, like, this guy's all right. I don't know what the signal was right. that he could say see on the set. But Well, he probably had the choice to sign off on it. He just had to show them. Like, what do those guys really know? You know what I mean? He probably, it was probably I'm, all just yeah, protocol. Just, I think it was just one or two other people. who were You were in great it. in it, man. Oh, thank you. And, and uh, okay, let's just be a fanboy for a minute. So, uh, Mickey Rourke, pretty decent guy? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a thing where... Yeah, I barely talked to him. That scene where you're walking up the stairs and yeah. you do like a Todd Berryism. Yeah. Is that improvised? No, I mean the only the line that I actually came up with was the uh your special line. Which is Well when he said, Do I have to wear this name tag? And then he asked me again, I go, No, you're special. <laughs> right. But that, that stayed um, in. But Darren it was it was the most probably the most fun I've had acting. One of the most one of the top two or three times. Because it was it was pretty uh, it was loose in a in a right and not in a sloppy we don't care way but trying to like he said yeah if you, I said because like the the tent scene in the deli where he's running and cuts himself and all that I said this do you want me to is there, do I have to stick to the script he goes he goes don't censor yourself and you didn't go I'm Todd Berry yeah, I'm Todd Berry I yelled at my website address. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, you and I think we did our first movie parts in the same movie, didn't we? Oh, was that Los Angeles? The Mitch Hedberg yeah, fe feature yeah. film that I think is very hard to find. Yeah, I get, I get several emails, uh, periodically, like, where can I get it? Where can I get it? Yeah, I get those occasionally. I think they're too. actually screening it in Austin pretty soon. Oh, yeah? I wanna... Have you ever watched the full cut of that? Yeah. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, you know, it was fun. It, you know, it was it was fun that he flew us all out. And I don't think I saw you when I was there. I, I think I only came out for a couple of days. But a lot of people, it's interesting that, you know, Hedberg has got his people. And every once in a while I get those emails. It's like, well, you knew Mitch, so we're, you must be okay. Yeah, I was getting those like a day after he died. It's oh, really? Like, you know, fucking take a couple of days off right. before you write to someone who knew <laughs> yeah. him. You got any other parts going up? Uh, I did a little part in... Um, this thing bored to death that's on HBO. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a small part. I think it'll be on the last episode. I think I'm liking that. I mean, I haven't watched. We, it. We watched it last night. Episode. Yeah, I watched the first one, and I guess then I watched what was on the other night, the third one already. I, you know, I don't like. There's part of me that doesn't want to like certain things, <laughs> like anything. You know, <laughs> maybe. But I mean, I just thought it was going to be another really uh, a precious thing. But it turns out it's it's kind of odd, and and it gets into some areas that are really kind of uh challenging a lot of like you know male oriented bullshit i think it's sort of funny the ted Danson character is very funny yeah zach is in, and uh jason uh is that his name jason schwartzman yeah yeah, yeah. there it, it's it's pretty interesting it's pretty funny and ames is a freak and he's funny yeah he is now before before the show my my uh my producer like i think i know you pretty well even though we don't talk as much as we used to because we we have lives yeah but my producer said that you were on Sesame Street. Is I that, was, yeah. What does that even mean? Um, I know. I still don't know what it means. When was that? It was uh, a few years ago. A guy, I guess, who saw me at Luna Lounge 
which is a performance space Mark and I it's used gone. to work at. Yeah, it's gone. Torn down. Yeah. Um, he sent me an email. I was like, hey, do you want to... I'm making a short film for Sesame Street, and do you want to be in it playing the number seven? <laughs> and I was like, I guess so, yeah. I mean, sure. And I did it, and I, I don't... For some reason, I was just not overly jazzed about doing it. Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute, wait, 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 but up. then after Time I did break. it, then I started getting messages from uh, seven-year-olds. No, no, no. <laughs> from just people who I haven't talked to in years, who are like, "Oh man, I, I don't know if you remember me, but I now I have a three-year-old kid, and we're watching Sesame Street." And <laughs> it's kind of—I mean, it's kind of cool to do things. But that, that was before you did anything else. Where so, so were these emails were sort of like, "Glad things are working out for you." That kind no, of. I mean, I had done other stuff. Oh, oh. Well, you done Letterman already. Well, at least one, Mark. Dude, I was with you when you bought your shirt for the first Letterman. Were you really? Yeah, fuck yeah. And oh, I was yeah. at that first Letterman. I was at, I think you were at mine too, you and Louie maybe. Really? And weren't me and you at Mitch Hedberg's first Letterman? Where, I know I was. No, I don't think I went through. I saw Mitch Hedberg open for Ellen DeGeneres. Oh boy. Before he was famous. It was pretty. Uh... Hedberg, like I was backstage. It was me and Louie and Dave Becky, our manager, our, all of our mutual managers. And oh. Hedberg, like I, like he had this jacket. Like, he was very specific. The thing about Hedberg was he needed, he had certain talisman. He had certain things that meant things to him that he had to have. And one of them was, like, his grandfather's leather jacket. And he always had certain pens and that little pipe that he used to have. But the dude went through a pint of fucking bourbon before, like, I'd never seen anything like it. And I'd already had done my time at the comedy store. But right before he went on, he knocked back, like, a pint of Jack Before Daniels. he did Letterman? Yes, oh in the God. dressing room. And, and the the interesting thing about it was, though, and I don't begrudge anybody that, you know, it, it takes what it takes. Obviously, it took too much for him, right. but it takes what it takes. And it was just that the way he had timed it, because he knew he was going on and like he had like, you know, 15 minutes. So he knew that like he waited to knock it back so he would be leveled by the time he got on stage to do it. And he killed. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do for everybody, but certainly he uh, he knew exactly what he had to do to do it. Anyways, but I remember your first Letterman, too. Yeah. Because I was there. Was that the time? Who was on your first Letterman with you? Do you remember? Oh, man. I don't remember because I, I you know, you're I backstage. I was too remember. nervous. But I remember buying the shirt. Really? Yeah. You, you were like, I got to buy a shirt. Huh. I've been with a couple of you guys where, of us who are you know, buying clothes for Letterman. I was with Louis C.K. when he bought... We were at a Blockbuster video, okay? And he bought... The, uh, what's the name of the movie? Uh, Putney, Putney, Putney Swope. Putney Swope? Putney Swope. The, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Sr. movie. He bought it in a bargain bin. Okay? He bought it in a bargain bin at Blockbuster when we were renting videos. And that movie changed his fucking life in terms of how he saw filmmaking. And, and it was what inspired his first feature. And that's how I ended up in Pootie Tang. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I if brought it, it back to me. That was nice. If it weren't for that movie. <laughs> Um, Where are you playing? Anywhere? Anything uh, when fun is this going to air? Oh, next week next sometime. Week. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you just missed me at the Funny Bone in <laughs> Bloomington. No, um, I'm going to be at Carnegie Hall. How <laughs> did I forget that? November 5th with Ricky Gervais. Nice. Yeah. You're opening for him? Yeah, I'm going to open for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I booked Carnegie Hall and I asked Ricky Gervais to open for me. That's awesome. I know. Are you doing this John Oliver thing? What is that? Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> and I have various other shows on my website, toddbarry.com. There you go. D-D-B-A-R-R-Y. The John Oliver stand-up series for Comedy Central. What is that? Yeah, well, maybe I'll call our manager. I um, I don't know. I guess he's doing some stand-up shows. Holy shit. But you're opening for Ricky Gervais at Carnegie yeah, yeah, Hall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you I know. did Carnegie Hall. It's my second time, believe it or not. Yeah. Since you brought it up. What was the first time? With uh, Sarah Silverman. Oh, was it fun? Yeah, it's weird though, because I went out, I remember going out there and I was like, and at some point I was like, oh, this is, this is just, this is a gig. I mean, like, right. it's insane, but it's, it's not, not like, much different. I remember, do you, do you remember doing the first Letterman, how it was like, oh man, like there was no, I still, if I get to do that, you did it recently, right? Yeah, yeah, a few weeks. It's still a month or two, spectacular. Yeah. It is, but it takes, I mean, I, it takes the life out of me. Does it? Yeah. It's, it's supposed a, to, isn't it? I guess. It's not, but I, yeah, there's always that afterwards, nice like cool what, what happens now, kind of. Right, where you stand there waiting, you don't know yeah, if you walk towards Yeah, you tape it, and then they drop you off at home, and you're like, it's seven o'clock at night, and you're alone, wearing a suit. 
<laughs> right, you're like you're kind of walking around. Oh, it's just not Letterman. It's not Letterman. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I, too. That's why I'm wearing a suit. Yeah, that happens after every show. Sort but of I remember when I did uh, a couple of times it happened to me where I, I remember when I did Hedberg's movie. It was the day after I'd, I had done Letterman, and I was sitting there. I got into Minneapolis, some outskirts of Minneapolis, right. and I was eating chicken fingers alone, right, at like Shoney's or something. Yeah, you're like. I was on national TV yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm eating chicken fingers. But took, that's showbiz. I took a bus to my and first TV appearance. Really? Yeah. The evening of the improv. I was staying in Santa Monica. I'd flown myself out there and I took a bus. Uh, I bought a shirt at a store next door. I took a bus to the improv. It was 1989 or something. Yeah. Did my set. Got back on the bus and there were nothing but, but kitchen workers on the bus. And I went back to my hotel. It's yeah. always the way it is though. Comics are down to earth is what we're saying. But there's always that. But you know what I always forget when you do like a talk show like Letterman or any of them is that even though you just had a great set and you have that elation, it's just another day at work for everybody else there. Yeah, that's true. And that, I, I try to put that, keep that in my mind for some reason because there's part of me that just wants to hang out and we'll be like, what are we all doing now? Yeah. Uh, we're the going home. The is nothing. Exactly. Todd Berry, thank you for Thanks being Thanks for here. having me. Okay, so the other night, I don't do this a lot, but I got I got drunk by myself. I never do that. How was and that? Was that a good time? It was all right. Did but you I, cry? I did cry. And did I you got, masturbate? I eventually masturbated. Did you watch movies? No, did but you? but I wrote I wrote down a few thoughts I had about you, and they're sort of random and disconnected. You're kidding me! You got drunk by yourself, and you're writing things down about me. And I wanted to, and I wanted to share some of these with you. Some of them are, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, I'm going to write responses to them. Okay. I'll, I'll write my immediate reactions to what you say. This is a few with Matthew, and now he's he's going to read to me. Explain it to me again. You were drunk by yourself, I which got, you don't do very often. I got drunk by myself, which I don't do very often. And you you, you wrote things down about and me. And I was well, I was thinking about the show, and, and you know, we got a good thing going here. And All right, let's do the psychological, like a game like this will be like, I'll, I'll just write my first reactions to each one. Okay, go, one. Okay. I started with some good things. Don't preface any of it. Just, okay. just say them. One. Scheduling with you, trying to get a definitive statement, is like trying to teach calculus to a kid with Down syndrome. All right. Go ahead. Two. You, you have a brilliant mind, a sharp wit, and that compulsive honesty confessional thing in your comedy that I love, but as a fully-fledged human being, you don't quite live up to what I'd like in a friend. Okay. We can only talk about me long enough for you to tell me a similar thing is true of you or try to top me. And then you go into this, and then I go into this codependent thing only long enough to hate myself for it later. Okay. Uh, I have a hard time taking you seriously. <laughs> I never get anything from you except the bare min minimum to keep me from totally giving up on you. Is that two separate ones? Yeah. Okay. And, uh... And that's pretty much it. I think after that is right after that is when I went to masturbate and I had a chocolate pudding and I went to sleep. All right. So that's the separate one? No, that's... Are right. we still going? Is, so so still... the first one, I need the first one again because I didn't write a response. Scheduling with you, trying to make an appointment with you, trying to get a definitive statement on something from you is like trying to teach calculus to a kid with Down syndrome. He's enthusiastic. He wants to learn, and he likes the lines and stuff, but, but okay. the gist is sort of... Right, all right. So the response I wrote to that one is, get a life, Matthew. Did you write that to all of them, Mark? No. Give me the second one. Uh, you have a brilliant mind, a sharp wit, and that compulsive honesty confessional thing in your comedy that yeah. I love. But as a fully-fledged human being, you don't quite, quite live up to what I'd like in a friend. Okay, I wrote, shut the fuck up. <laughs> What's the third one? That's, that's a good That's a good. The comeback. third one's really a long one. Uh-huh. It was like, um, it we can only talk about me long enough for you to tell me a similar thing is true of you or try to top me. Right. And then I go into my codependent thing with you only long enough to hate myself for it later. All right. And then I wrote here, I wrote, are you talking to yourself, Matthew? Hello? Yeah. All right. What's the, what's the fourth one? Um, I never get anything from you except the bare minimum required to keep me from totally giving up on you. Oh, baby. That's what I wrote. And then what was the last one? Is it like long? I think I think that was it. I think that was it. No, I definitely have a "What are you a girl here?" and that was a response to something. I have a hard time taking you seriously. No, that would be shut the fuck up too. And then the thing about masturbating, I wrote creepy. No, that was just I was just I was just giving you the 
the blow by blow, as it were. Look, I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, this has been going well, and I like having you here. Look, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're friends. All right, but it's getting a little weird. It's getting a little weird. All right, and I'm starting to feel like you know, we, you read something like that to me. How how is that supposed to, to resonate with me? The only thing I, I think just, with you just is just sit with it. You no. don't have to respond. No, but just the, sit. No, no, how does it make you feel? No, no, no. The how thing that you don't understand. I'm telling feel. you right now is that you know, it's like there's no need you to yell. You have no fucking boundaries, and you're just always blah blah blah. I'm smarter. Blah blah blah. Look what I've done. And Wait blah, up. blah blah blah. No Why don't boundaries? you make a movie? Why don't you make a fucking movie? All right, you're gonna sit around, and get drunk to, by yourself, and write shit about me. Why don't you create something, Matthew? Why does it have to be? Uh, who can I manipulate today? Who can I talk into sleeping with me? How can I make Mark aggravated? What's your girlfriend's name again? Megan. Megan. No, you. No way. It's not gonna happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen. Not not with me. No. Mark? Yes, Matthew. Did I hear you right and you said I had no boundaries? You know, I I feel are... like I feel like your main complaint to me in our real lives is about my boundaries, about when I say, "No, I'm sorry. I can't go to this" or "No, I'm sorry. I'm not available now." So, where are you getting this that I don't have a boundary? From all that shit you just said. It's like weird. It's creepy. Well, like I was saying, I'm grateful for you, Mark. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad too. And I'm glad that people are starting to understand and enjoy you. It I've, was always my belief that we were funny together. And it was always my belief that uh, you and I probably sh- you know, could be friends, but it's much better if we just work together on the air and then just leave it at that. Well, again, you're you're prematurely deciding what our relationship is. We've barely known each other now a year. Oh, God. So... Yeah, there's still hope, Mark. You right. just have to let nature take its course. Yeah, if I just like you know, if I just explain things to you thoroughly enough, so you don't have to send me three emails to ask me the same fucking question. If I can just you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mark. Are you trying to turn your lack of clarity back on me? We've already covered this. Yeah. So you, you have, so so why are you so why are you backtracking on that? We already we already established that you're the one. Listen, Mister Controlly, I don't have to play your game. Listen, all right, I can shut your mic off right now. Listen to me. I've had enough. I'm I'm waiting for something honest to come out of your mouth. I love you, buddy. I love you too. Thanks a lot, folks, and and please keep tuning in. I I love doing these shows, and I'm glad you guys are enjoying. Hey, them. hey Mark. Yeah. Mark, actually, let's stop stop tape here for a what? sec. Phone phone call here. Who is it? It's uh it's uh Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah. comedian. Hey, man. What's up, buddy? Nothing. I want to check in about. Um, remember, I uh, we were talking about doing the podcast. I was going to do your podcast. Right, right. Yeah, this and, it's some weird idea. Like you know, like I would do. We would do it. At this, what's yours called again? That's uh, the Greg Fitzsimmons Experience. And I was thinking that um, you know, whenever you can get your studio or I get mine, we'll just come in and you know, just let's just do. We do it at the same time and then both put it out, almost like. Uh, like a simulcast. Yeah, but I mean, I don't under. Or I, I kind of understand what you're saying. So you're saying that we tape one interview of us just talking to each other and then pretend like it's we both interviewed each other separately, or it happens. At the yeah, same- it just it seems fair because it, otherwise it's like you know it's a huge pain in the ass for me to get to your studio, and then it's a huge pain in the ass for uh, you to get to mine. So like we'll just you know, set it up so we both walk away with a podcast, you know, it's just, you know, it's economical. We'll just, uh, okay. All right. You want to go first or I'll go first, whatever, you know, whatever. I I don't know. It sounds confusing, but I, I do, uh, uh, I, you're on my podcast now, like right now, you just, you're just now appearing. No. Yeah. You're appearing on my podcast. That's not cool. What do you mean? I mean, this is your, I called your regular number. This isn't, all right. Well, I guess you didn't realize that uh, you know that my my personal assistant Brendan was with me at all times. What do you, I mean? That, that was you have an assistant that answers your cell phone. Yes, Greg. I mean, I, it's a podcast. This is like this is what happens to you every time you get some success. You start pimping it and you start acting like a big shot, and then it goes away. You know, and this is like another example. Like this isn't cool to do this. Yeah. Well, you know, usually you're funnier too. Well, I didn't. Yeah. All right. No? Whatever. I mean, I just thought, you know, you know, we're we're friends, and no, it was it was all right. But I was just, I I was really hoping you would deliver on my podcast. But I, maybe maybe this will get some traffic your way. I don't know. Well, look, I, Jesus Christ. 
Do I just? I, do I apologize. That was a do. It was douchey. I just feel like. Do you want you want to end with a joke or something? You got to. Yeah, I just feel like you know if if Barack Obama can just somehow uh, save the world, it'll be so much like one of those movies, like you know, where the magical Negro comes in at the end. Uh huh. Don't you think it's a just it's a perfect metaphor? A crazy white guy just fucks everything up, and then the the Negro comes in at the end when you don't when they haven't really given his character any real respect, but he saves the day for the white guy. Uh huh. All right. Well, I guess I mean if you I mean I didn't use the word Negro, but you can. I mean I don't want it to be awkward, but I, it's fine. You don't even say Negro anymore. Did I, did did are you are you calling from a phone in 1950? <laughs> <laughs> it's a whites only phone. Yeah. All right. Well, that that would explain it. So, <laughs> so all right, all right. So the idea is, uh, yeah, I'll come on when I come out to LA. We'll go over to your studio and we'll tape your podcast, and then uh, and then I'll tape mine in the same studio, and then it'll be a simulcast only in the sense that if people happening to be listening to yours at the same time as they're listening to mine with one in one ear and one in the other, it will be a simulcast. Aside from that, it's just us using the same studio on the same day back to back. Yeah, except mine, uh, I mean, then it's really a race to see who can upload it first to their site because mine will be up an hour later. And uh, I don't know how long it's going to take you. I mean, L.A. is not your home anymore, so I feel like, you know, make it a contest. Okay, that's fine, but just remember what I have in the can is you saying Negro on my podcast. <laughs> I think I have some tapes from uh, Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge where you're saying some really... Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Just the fact that you're going to take the time to try and find them, I think, already makes me the winner. And the fact that I have them. Yeah, that's even creepy. So why don't you bring those along when I come out to do your podcast? All right, man. Greg Fitzsimmons Experience. That's the Greg Fitzsimmons Experience where he only uses the word Negro. Well, I like to think that uh, we, we, we leave a little something for Lisa Lampanelli. Leave a little meat on the bone for her. Sure. Maybe I should send over a magic African-American man to uh, put the kibosh on your podcast. Jesus Christ. See, now it's a fucking arms race. Okay, fine. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you when I'm out there. Thanks, man. Yeah, Good talk course. to you. I want to thank my guests, Todd Berry, of course, Matthew Weiss. Weiss. Matthew Weiss. It's so good to see Todd. Talk to you next time.